Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. We certainly need worship and we need preaching. But until last year, most of church's online efforts were posting songs and sermons. But as a person who didn't grow up in the church, I'm probably not going to stop on one of those songs or listen to one of those sermons. I might. But instead of just using it as a bulletin board for events and activities or a place to post songs and sermons, what if we use social media to actually be social? Welcome again to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. Hi, I'm Paul Perot with Gabe. And one of the modern issues in our world has to do with our technology. Just a couple of decades ago, when we interacted with people, it was primarily with those who were near us in our communities. It was a very embodied experience. Now, though, thanks to the Internet and social media, we're more and more connecting with people we aren't face to face with. A very disembodied experience. And Gabe, as the world has become more connected... Problems of isolation and loneliness have risen sharply. Many institutions, including churches, have been asking some hard questions about our disembodied digital world. And what does it mean for the church to think about digital? What does it mean in this last year as more and more churches started to go online? What were some of the upsides of that? But were there also some fallouts? Are there some pitfalls in thinking too much about the role technology ought to have within our church? What does it mean for us to think well about digital technology and the way that it interfaces with the church? We've seen over the last decade, more and more churches have online services, some even hiring online campuses, some churches that exist entirely in the online space. And what's the upside of that? What's the downside of that? Today, we're going to talk with Keith Robinson, who's somebody who's focused on this, studied about this. He's written a lot about this to try to help churches think well and really with this balanced view about technology. He serves as the Senior Associate for Communications at Slingshot. Group, And this is an organization that works with and consults hundreds of organizations, nonprofits and churches all over the U.S. to help them think well about the way that they're interacting and innovating within this current culture. And so I was excited today to get to talk with Keith, ask him some of my questions about this, wrestle with my pushback on technology being the be all end all of what it means to be the church and to let you kind of listen in and engage in that conversation. Yeah, Gabe, let's listen to your conversation now with Keith Robinson on this week. Q ideas. What does it mean to be digital? What does it mean to think about the church in a digital age during this COVID season where so many churches, whether they were reluctant or not, they were forced to think about how do I reach people when they're not showing up physically in my church? And this is something you've been thinking about for much longer, pre-COVID days. You've been thinking about and working with so many churches around. And so let's just step back from the COVID moment and say, hey, even before COVID, where were we at as the church as it related to digital? And then I want to move to how did COVID just completely ramp that up? Yeah, that's a great premise for this conversation. And as you said, at Slingshot Group, we were working on this and in this space for many years. And through my work uh, with Slingshot over the last five years, my focus has almost exclusively been on helping churches and faith-based nonprofits build out their digital communications teams and strategies. 
to help churches to know what the opportunities are and to leverage technology in a way that draws them closer to the people that God's called them to serve. So we began working directly with those on the front lines of this new frontier of digital and exploring ways to connect people in the in the community. And um, and then, of course, as you stated, just over a year ago, the pandemic caused churches to shutter their services. And overnight, pastors were forced to speak to empty rooms once full of people. And overnight, every church in America became a broadcast studio. And our team's goal in that season was to just ask questions. Um, how do we help you to maximize this moment to expand the reach of your ministry? And so that's really what we've been doing. Um, and over the last, you know, 15, uh, you know, 16 months, year and a half, almost now, uh, since the pandemic, we have just seen an explosion of opportunities and uh, ministry for digital. And uh, it's been amazing, fascinating to watch and really cool to be a part of. Well, let's first talk about some of the opportunities that have come as a result of going digital at a time where a lot of churches hadn't done this before. Maybe they were doing it before and they started to step into this moment where, like you said, nobody's in the seat. The seat is now a living room couch and, you know, pastors are inviting people to stand up and sing and they're inviting people to engage or to Mm -hmm. text in, you know, their thoughts or encouragement or where they're at or Instagram, you know, it's like for a lot of people, I mean, this is a whole new frontier, like you said. And you were helping them navigate that. But what, what were the opportunities that came? And then we're going to circle back around and talk about what are some of the weaknesses of all of this? Mm-hmm. Um, is this really the future? Is it the best way for the church to go? Is it just one piece of the puzzle? But I, I want to first just kind of capture what are you seeing as the opportunity to go digital for churches? You know, I, I think we live in a culture that feels with its eyes. One of the things that we've been helping churches and organizations with over the last several years is helping those organizations find visual storytellers who can leverage video um, and visual storytelling in a way to connect with people on a, in a real meaningful way. And we've all seen this, right? We've all watched videos that grabbed our attention, that caught us in a moment where we might have otherwise been distracted, but all of a sudden we're drawn in. And so like never before, it feels like the church has an opportunity to discern this moment and to lean into this visual storytelling world to really capture and tell the greatest story that's ever been told in a compelling way. You know, we live in a culture that's really distracted. So to be able to leverage the power of story with visual tools, I think gives the church sort of an unfair advantage right now. I mean, think about where are some of the most powerful stories that a person could hear that's happening every day, every week in a community I think we have to look no further than the local church. And so what we've been trying to help churches realize and discern is that opportunity and how to curate stories from within the body to share those in the digital space so that people see it's more than just our songs and our sermons that we're turning out online and asking people to participate in. It's really an invitation to life change and an invitation to transformation. Yeah. We've talked about this around the QIDS community for a while, this debate about the church, digital, how much do we adopt this new medium as a way to expand, to reach more people, to have increased numbers of people come into contact with the message of Jesus and the gospel versus how critical is it that we be in person and that we were embodied and mm-hmm. that, you know, could this be a distraction? Could, could, like you said, in the digital revolution, everybody's on their phones, everybody's experiencing life through this little device. And so is it better to be countercultural? Is it better to say, you know what, we don't show up there. You actually have to be embodied and show up in person. And, and I, 
I raise that to to say, I know one of the things you've advocated for for churches is that they pursue thinking about online campus pastors and actually creating entire focuses and and church leadership that's fully digital. Um, and, and I'm curious, in your vision for that, is it do those people ever show up anywhere, or is the interaction always through commenting, always through email, always through some sort of digital texting interaction? And in your view, is that enough these days to disciple people and to reach people? You know, Gabe, that's a great question, and I know that tension well. And, and we've wrestled with that tension um, even in my home church. Like, what does it mean when we talk about using digital and online strategies to connect people. And I'm reminded, I've become friends over the last couple of years with a rabbi here in our community. And I was talking to him and one of my first conversations with him, he said, you know, you can be a Jew on an island all by yourself, but you can't practice Judaism. And when we think about what it means to belong to this family of God, you know, there's a lot of Christians right now because of the pandemic that found themselves in isolation. But to practice our faith, we need community. So while digital is a medium that we can use that can accelerate our efforts to reach people and mobilize people, I believe that it's just a tool. Now, this is my personal conviction, that it is a tool and a means to an end. And so I don't think that we can do Christianity and practice our faith just in that online space. Like we need life on life discipleship. We need life on life connection happening because that's where transformation takes place. And we don't get to practice the one another's in every way without being present at some point with one another. So again, as a means, as a tool, as a bridge, I think digital is a great medium for us. But if we veer into the territory of of telling people, hey, you never have to show up, you never have to do life with one another or serve one another, then I think we're missing a big part of the gospel. Yeah, so you see it as a complementary resource tool. We have to have it. It's not everything. And I I do think we've seen after the pandemic the lack of people coming back to churches. I, I don't know the latest data. Most churches have seen a significant decrease and how many people are now physically responding now that we are, quote unquote, more open, you know, as a society. And and yet when people have shown up, those who've lived in states, unlike Tennessee, but certain states where they were not allowed to gather, or they're still kind of just coming back in, and you talk to someone who experiences corporate worship, where they're standing together, they're lifting their hands, they're singing together, and they're kind of overwhelmed going, oh my gosh, I didn't know how much I missed this. Like I'd kind of grown used to mm-hmm. the digital experience and there's something about us all being together and singing in one voice that feels transcendent and feels different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of my concerns would just be, man, over this last year, do do you think we've lost some segment of, of the population that now showing up in person is is not going to be part of their future routine. Yeah, and I think that's the right concern that faith leaders should be wrestling with and grappling with. I would answer that question by asking a question. What have our gatherings produced? Have our gatherings produced more disciples, more devoted followers of Jesus? And so I think it's time for us as faith leaders to take a fresh look at what we do with our gatherings and what the real outcome of that is. And the other thing I'd say is that cultural Christianity is dead. 
um, or nearly dead. It might be on life support. <laughs> right. um, the pandemic just sort of revealed what was already there in terms of commitment. Like we were watching this slow decline. Attendance patterns have been shifting for years. Regular sort of faithful people in our churches went from being a, a weekly attender, you know, twice a month to all of a sudden they're once every six weeks, once every eight weeks. Um, and sometimes those are the elders and the deacons. <laughs> and so I think what we what we found is that there has just been this this huge shift. And in that, there's been, I think, two things that have happened for the nominal Christian or believer. They may have used it as an opportunity or an excuse just to go ahead and check out. But for the mature follower and for the person who, you know, is deeply devoted and, and to walking out and living out their faith and culture, there you're right, Gabe. There is a huge longing to regather to be together, to break bread, to worship together, to see our kids hang out. Like we sense that. And so I think that we're just seeing a, a, a shifting that's revealing what was in the heart of people. And as a Jesus follower, I'm a part of a family of God that runs generations deep. So there's going to be a natural draw for me to want to connect and share life with other believers. And just anecdotally, I was worshiping in Las Vegas this last weekend and it was that moment in the service where you turn around and you greet your neighbor. You know, it's like an introvert's nightmare. And so I, I, I'm introverted. So I turned around and, and I shook hands with a woman and I just asked her, how long have you been coming to Blank Church? And she said, well, actually, I started attending during the pandemic online. Uh, I had moved and relocated to the area, was looking for a church. And then once services opened up, I started coming and I've been here ever since. Now they opened up last year. So she's been in the church for going on a year now. And it was all because this church had a really strong online presence and strategy. They're one of our partners. And, you know, they were able to connect with this person who was looking, actually looking not for an excuse to not belong, but rather a family to belong to. So really powerful story. Yeah. And, and those stories are powerful is there's no doubt that using digital communication and, and, so many of the new ways that people are hearing and gathering information and curating, you know, the information and messages that they want to hear that the church showing up in that space and Christian leaders and truth and messages and evangelism is so important. I know even at, uh, within our organization, we try to support and help a lot of young leaders and, and there's some that are now TikTok evangelists and preachers, you know, and they're getting their message out by all means necessary. But when it comes to ecclesiology and trying to understand, well, what's the nature of the church and how should the church function and operate so that people are coming into a community of embodied believers who are going to live alongside one another and hold one another accountable and live life together? You know, we're so far from that in most of our American experiences, at least, that this just feels like one more add-on that we're kind of used to. But I, I think what you said is so important that this year has helped. It really became a great reckoning. And you, you see the great resignation idea of all these people walking away from their corporate jobs and saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to go pursue some other career. I think that's what happened in the church. You had that resignation of the nominal Christians. Right. Uh, and, and you can see even in the data how much giving stayed strong. Yeah. I mean, all these pastors just shocked and boards and elders sitting around going, oh, my goodness, if we don't have church, we're not going to continue to see sustained tithing or giving. And that's going to radically transform our ministry. Yeah. And lo and behold, after a year most of these churches still thriving financially without people showing up. It, it kind of shows you how much that core group of people, that probably 20% of the church that really 
He's deeply engaged mm-hmm. and biblically minded, and they're going to give whether they're showing up at a service or not. Mm-hmm. We're still engaged, and we had that backing off of those who, who were not. As you think about the season ahead, so let's look at the next decade. You know, and I know you can never predict the future here, but as you think about the next generation, how much they have grown up looking at screens, thinking about digital, getting their information from those places, that, that medium even shaping their minds, even shaping their distractions and their attention span and so many of these new factors that we've seen coming for a while, but man, it's really come home to roost. Do you think digital is the primary way that a new generation will be reached with the message of the gospel? I think, again, it, it's got to be a part of the conversation because we're talking about a, a generation you know, just before uh, we started the podcast, Gabe, you and I were commiserating for a minute that, you know, I've got two teenagers and I readily recognize the inherent dangers in technology. And I think the opportunity, though, for the church in the future, just think about this, you know, 20 years ago, we couldn't talk to strangers. But today we sleep in their beds, we drive their cars, we accept their reviews of everyday products that we use. The world has changed. And so I think the opportunity for us to converse with culture, if we're not present on digital mediums and platforms and having conversations in that space, then I think it's, it's not just lacking relevance. We're, we're just not in the place. If we're not there, we're not in the place where people are. I mean, I read stat the other day that said that if Facebook uh, were a country, it would be the fourth largest nation in the world. And so for churches, that opportunity And I think going forward into the future, I think we will see less songs and sermons, and I think we will see more care being demonstrated by our churches. And I just want to give context to that, because we certainly need worship and we need preaching. But until last year, most of churches' online efforts were posting songs and sermons But as a person who didn't grow up in the church, I'm probably not going to stop on one of those songs or listen to one of those sermons. I might, but instead of just using it as a bulletin board for events and activities or a place to post songs and sermons, what if we use social media to actually be social? We've seen this. I mean, social media is a powerful tool for activating people, and I think that's the untapped potential for the church when it comes to digital is activating and mobilizing people more than just trying to regather them. Instead, how do we mobilize them to go out and to be the hands and the feet of Jesus? And if we could turn the spotlight up on that in our social feeds and our online platforms, then I believe we'll get the world's attention. And to me, the greatest opportunities for the church as it relates to digital is for evangelism, Yeah, to introduce new people to what we're about. And so often, if a non-believer were just to do a quick survey of 10 churches in America and watch their social feeds, what would they get? Would they see mostly sermons and see mostly songs? Or would they see people who are living out their faith and culture, who are loving their neighbors well, who are responding to the needs? I mean... When Jesus announced his ministry, he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, release from captivity to those who are in prison. Like Jesus was bringing actual good news to his community, and it was disruptive. And I, I wonder if we would turn the spotlight up on our care. I believe more now than ever that our greatest play in culture as the church is empathy because compassion has always been the church's superpower. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good word and so important. And I, and I do think the good news is so many churches have fully understood that. I would say in the last couple of decades, there's been a huge shift in that. I know since we began Q in 2007, that was a new thought for a lot of churches, that, that it wasn't just about this attractional idea, that there was a mission that needed to be taken care of, and that we needed to care mm-hmm. about everything going on in our communities that's unjust, that needs repair, that needs restoration. And so the, the theology, I feel like, has come back around. People mm-hmm. are understanding this to be true. And your point about utilizing social media to tell that story and to help capture people and engage people with a new understanding of what the church is, I do think is is critical. I know some of the research Barna did recently with one of our partners described this whole idea of, you know, the community believes churches should be helping with kids after school. You know, that 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 problem of children not really having a place to go for these three hours after work, you know, yes. is still a problem. And churches and communities should do that. They also said mental health, counseling, sitting with the elderly who are lonely. And you think about the loneliness epidemic in our society, the world's looking and going, hey, the church could show up in that. The church could be incredible parts of that. And of course, using technology to mobilize, to get those stories in front of people, to give people the ways to opt in and and, you know, I know our church has a morning 7 a.m. devotional that goes out every morning. Text comes to me. It makes it very simple for me to just touch one button, and then I get to hear this devotional. Th- those kinds of things just didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. And I think as we look to the future, that kind of innovation is important. But I, but I think where we've come, you and I, in this conversation, I mean, it's that this complementary vision of how technology is used maybe on the outskirts to reach, to invite, to engage, to capture somebody's attention that maybe would never even be thinking about church or how how the role of the body of Christians plays into their life. And once you get their attention, man, you're trying to slowly work people into real community, into embodied life mm-hmm. with, with believers. Because once we're in that, I mean, that, that experience is so radically unique. And, it, and I know Jesus was embodied. I remember Kevin Kelly would talk about this. I interviewed him once for a book I did called The Next Christians. And he spoke at Q a couple times you know, he was ruthless. He was a co-founder of Wired Magazine, but ruthless about how much he wasn't going to let technology overtake embodied relationships. And uh, he himself, you know, preferred to talk to you over the phone instead of an email because he knew that was a little better Mm -hmm. than email, but not quite as good as face-to-face. You know, there was just this commitment, and he based that on Jesus being embodied Mm -hmm. and the the power of that, um, that Jesus incarnation represents to us that there's kind of nothing that beats Mm -hmm showing up in in a person's life and i think that i think that's just going to maintain and be universally true well tell us in closing um your work is to help so many pastors navigate these kinds of situations and i know you you mentioned a church you're working with in las vegas but you guys work with a lot of different organizations nonprofits, not just churches but people trying to navigate this when when you're in these conversations just to give our community a bit of an idea with leaders like that what are you finding is kind of their number one need right now? Their question coming out of this COVID season, mm-hmm. and they're trying to they're trying to recalibrate. You know, what are we going to do in two thousand twenty one, twenty two? How how has this radically shifted where our focus ought to go? What what is the theme that you're seeing emerge from multiple leaders about where their focus and attention is going to be? Yeah, Gabe, I think that like never before, churches are looking to gather, but also to mobilize their people. And figuring out what that gathering means, like who are the people in my congregation? I Every week that I'm talking to pastors, they're telling me as we're regathering, like we have new people we've never met before. We don't know 
half of our congress congregation <laughs> um we're seeing this a lot just there's been this uh, resettling of people in new communities vocationally so th- there's just been a lot of movement and i think we're going to look back at this time and see that there was this scattering of believers what i hear faith leaders really leaning into is how do we design our organization in such a way that can connect with the people who want to belong, who want to be devoted followers of Jesus, and then how do we get them into community and mobilize them for the gospel? Well, again, thanks for spending time with us this weekend on Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons and Gabe's conversation there with Keith Robinson of the Slingshot Group, looking at ideas for ministering to people and congregations using social media, as disembodied as it is, with a view of getting people better connected in more embodied ways. Because deep down, that's what people both desire and need. But Gabe, even listening to you and Keith, I got to tell you, As interesting and as exciting as some of the ideas Keith shared were, again, we're dealing with platforms that have lent themselves to fragmentation and isolation. There's no simple answers to this. We have to come into all these conversations understanding there's complexity. And the more we just make things simple and say it's this or that, it's black or white, there's no gray, there's no room for disagreement here, I think we do ourselves a disservice. We want to have a balanced approach. We want to try to understand how can we think well about this. The digital medium is a medium. Uh, Those mediums do have biases. Sometimes the bias can be a negative bias. Sometimes it can be neutral and sometimes it can be positive. So we have to ask those deeper questions that I think are critical for Christians as we navigate the digital age and understand how this technology is going to be used for good and also can be used for bad. And so I'm appreciative of Keith being willing to take on some of those conversations. And again, if you're interested in learning more about their work, maybe even reading some of the work that they've done on how online campuses work for churches, if you happen to be a pastor, an elder, a leader at your church, you may want to learn more. You can go to slingshotgroup.org and their resource page has information on that. Or if you're somebody listening or you know somebody who said, hey, I'd love to pursue a different type of vocation and a job that might be different than where I'm at, feel free to go to them too. They have access to so many different opportunities and ways in which you could engage. And maybe you'll find your unique calling for this next season of your life. Yeah. And again, if you want to connect with the Slingshot Group, just simply go to slingshotgroup.org. That's all the time we have for this week. Remember, connect with Gabe and his team at qideas.org. And I'm Paul Perot. On behalf of Gabe, thanks for listening. Have a great week. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.